quickly, I've got to introduce one of my dear friends, uh, Bill and Meg Greenman. And Bill and Meg, um, we became friends in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, back in Kansas City, we were a part of a very extraordinary move of God. And it included the, the, the emergence of the prophetic, rediscovering that, God, that God's people could hear his voice today. And so God began gathering people from around the world, literally, who, who, who came together to unleash a move of God that would affect multiple generations. And out of that, the prophetic movement was birthed. It, it, it integrated into the larger body of Christ through the vineyard and through other settings. And um, that move helped to trigger this prayer movement that's breaking out all around the world, this intercessory prophetic prayer movement. So the word, the prophetic means simply the ability to hear God's voice today, whether it's in a vision or a dream or an in, intuitive in, uh, impression. It doesn't trump the Bible, okay? The Bible's our authority in faith and practice, but the prophetic is a grace to hear his voice, and God wants all of his kids to be able to hear his voice and move in power. Well, the Greenmans, uh, the Greenmans were introduced to the revival and the power of God early on in their lives as a young couple. And they began moving in power evangelism where they would pray for the sick and they would get well. And they said, let's do a fun vehicle to reach people that um, will never hear the gospel because they will never go to church. But they will go to a circus. So these two people were were trained in, I'm talking about trapeze, I'm talking about the real circus stuff, the, the high skill of high wire walking and balance and juggling. These two guys did that and started Circus Hallelujah. And people would come and watch them perform, and then in the middle of this, Bill would start preaching the gospel and using examples from a circus to share Jesus. And I don't know if you guys saw the picture on... Uh, the Rock Tribe Facebook page. How many of you saw Bill's picture balancing on? Did you check out those abs? Those abs were amazing. I don't know. They're still under there somewhere, but but <laughs> they're still under there. But anyway, they moved to Kansas City and went on staff with us. And we watched churches planted out of that. The power of God moved. And we were all kind of jettisoned into international ministries. And that would be Bill and Meg. Well, then they got into the business arena, and they've got into all kinds of things. They're on their way to establishing a, an equipping center, a training ministry in Idaho at a retreat and conference center in this little town north of Idaho Falls. And it's a conference center that can have maybe six, seven hundred people, lots of different ministries of preach there, including Heidi Baker, and he's going to begin to equip people, and so is Meg's, equip people in inner healing and how to hear God's voice and how to move in ministry, how to move in prophetic evangelism, all those kinds of things. That's what Bill's going to do. So Dr. Bill Greenman wrote this book called Your Unique Purpose, and he started an organization, a ministry called Purpose International, which we'll tell you about in a little bit when he's done and after we're praying, but uh, his books are available. If you're not sure about your purpose in life, this is one of the best books ever written on how to discover God's call, God's purpose in your life. It's amazing. It's well laid out, 
And many, many people have affirmed at, that how powerful it is. And I've read it. It's, it is great. Then he's going to give away this little booklet called Basics of the Christian Life, just as a love gift to you guys today. So this is the book. We're going to probably have people, you know, support Bill and Meg as they launch into this new, you know, destiny. And we've invited them to be a part of our tribe as, as just a resource, as aunts and uncles, so to speak, to our family. And they went through Kansas City and loved up on Jason and our inner city church Thursday night. So they were there in the inner city. They could have gone to some other big church, but no, they come to our little inner city and stay in the church, in the house there, and minister there, and it just rocked Jason's world. So I so appreciate the fact that they're just about Jesus. They're not about building their name and about building some empire. They just want to see Jesus show up. So I thought on this day, we needed Bill and Megs to minister, especially Bill. And um, so Bill coming up, everybody greet Bill Greenman. Okay. Whoop. And I call him I call him William the Conqueror. And so I'm going to pray a blessing. And it's important that you guys to receive to receive something in the spirit, you have to bless them and acknowledge who they are in the Lord. So it says if you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Yeah. To receive a teacher, you get a teacher's reward. If you receive an apostle, you get an apostle reward. Just build a human doesn't have a lot of help for us, but build a prophetic teacher, evangelist, he can help us. So that's why you acknowledge and see him by the Spirit. You know no man by the Spirit. By the way, you're more than you think, too. You think? So, Father, I just say, just say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah, Father, we receive Bill as a, and Megs as a gift from heaven. We love them. We thank you for the many years that you've, that you've been cultivating revival and restoration and transformation in their lives. And today, make this a day that is special for our tribe and for them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks. I got it. Oh, you got it. So am I working here? Is mine going? Okay. Perfect. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> This is my first time, our first time to Laramie, but we've been, we've been into Wyoming before, but it was 1977. Uh, yeah, we were 40, exactly 40 years ago. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a long story. We were talked all about this the other night, last night with, uh, with the Johns, but uh, yeah, it's been 40 years. This 40-year this period of ours, I mean, that just has ended, has been phenomenal, and we know we're starting into something totally new. And uh, so, like last summer, the Lord said, sell your house, get out of debt, I'll tell you what to do later. You know, that sounds cool until you do it, right? And then you're like, what? Right? And so, <laughs> we didn't actually know what we were going to do. We ended up, I ended up ministering up in Idaho at this, at this uh, conference center. And, uh, you know, while we were there, you know, just, we're just doing the, our equipping thing, which we, I love to do. Very, very practical stuff. Basically, what we just did right here, that's basically what we do. Um, and so we were there for like three days, I think, and then the, the owners, the ones who built that, wonderful couple, they said, hey, we want to have, you know, come on over for dinner. So we went over for dinner, and they said, look, we've been trying to start a ministry training school here for 20 years. It just has never worked. He said, I felt the Lord told me, you're the guy who's supposed to do it and run it. I said, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
I said, he didn't tell me yet. And I said, but, and I wouldn't be the guy to run it long term. That would make me crazy. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I have to be going and pioneering and getting out there and doing other stuff. I said, but I can jumpstart it for you. I can get it started. So, let's, so we sought God for a couple of months, got to know them more. Lord said, do it. And that's why we could never find a house. We were looking for houses for months, you know, and we couldn't find anything. And uh, so we're going to be up in, at this retreat center for about six or seven months. Maybe That's all we know right now. People keep saying, well, are you coming back? Uh, I think so. I don't know. And so this is not the first time God's done this with us. Um, he usually, but usually he gives us a little bit more information <laughs> before we go somewhere. But uh, anyway, one of those was when we were in Florida. We had just finished the circus. We had that for 12 years. Uh, we saw about 25,000 people born again through the circus. We, in prisons, juvenile homes, uh, churches, on the streets. We did race car tracks. I mean, any place we could set up our rigging. Um, and we did high wire and trapeze and juggling and trampoline and all those kind of things. Uh, we, my wife and I met in the circus. Um, I was just a lowly rigger and she was a trapeze star. And I walked into the circus tent and went, at Florida State University. Yeah, it's a, see, this is, this is, guys, you understand what marriage is like? This is what it's like. This is, don't leave out the details. Guys, we're headlines, right? They're details. So... And it's great, because we need that. So she, we were at Florida State University, there's a circus on campus, three rings, tent, the whole bit, and you can learn everything except the animal acts. And so we were both going to Florida State. And so I went, went in the circus, she'd already been in for a year, and I went, I want that one. Because she was swinging on a trapeze, and I said, I like that one. And so I pursued her, and unfortunately for her, I won. So... Um, Anyway, we, it was quite a, quite, an, uh, quite a life doing the circus. It was the most fun I ever had, especially when the miracles were happening. I mean, I was doing the thing that I wanted to do my whole life, which was be a professional performer of some sort. And yet I got to do it with Jesus, doing miracles, <laughs> people getting healed. I mean, we'd stand in there, and we're in spandex and sequins and rhinestones. We're sweating, <laughs> barely can breathe, and God's healing people, and people are getting saved. Demons are coming out of people in prisons, you know. I mean, it's, it's a guy with a gun turret, you know, like this, and, and people, guys are getting saved and healed. And it was so wild. It was so much fun. I used to tease all the pastors that you really wish you could wear this, don't you, when you preach in it? Well, you'd love to preach in this, wouldn't you? Um, so anyway, that was a blast. <laughs> and uh, then we went to Kansas City. That's where I met Tim, and we just fell in love with each other right away with this whole family. It's just a, it's a really great story. And so I didn't know what the prophetic was, right? I, it, when the Lord said, hey, circus is over. This 19, it's Christmas Eve 88. And the Lord says, Chris, it says, circus is over. I want you to pursue the prophetic full time. I said, okay, what's the prophetic? I didn't know what that was. 1988, you know, I think the only book was Bill Hammond's book. There was another one, I think, uh, another guy. But there wasn't much going on about that. That was just really starting and so anyway, a friend of mine came through and told me what was going to Kansas City. And so I said, well, I've got to go put my feet on the ground. And so that first night, just to let you know what it was like, the first night I was there, staying in his brother-in-law's house, in his sister's house, who were friends of ours already, that night I had about 10 dreams, and I never had dreams. And I started seeing visions, I mean, like, I mean, it was like boom, 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 instantly, overnight, never, and it was, and it was like drinking out of a fire hydrant, right? It's like, what is this? This is amazing. 
and the confirmations of things that would happen. I'd tell somebody, I just saw this. They'd go, that's exactly what just happened, or that's what God told me, or whatever. And it was very new to me, even though that would happen sporadically in my life. So it was, that was one of those things where God said, I want you to move from Tampa, Florida to Kansas City and pursue the prophetic, right? So now we're living in Nashville, and he says, I want you to go to Idaho and help him start this ministry training school. So it's the same, same kind of thing. Uh, and, and we're very aware of that. Uh, we're used to that. That's kind of the way God works with us. Uh, but like I said, usually we have a little bit more information. Um, this time we don't. But that's okay, because it's going to be a blast no matter what happens. God's going to be there, and that's all that matters, isn't it? I mean, it's all that matters. Jesus is all that matters. I don't care about anything else. Um, if Jesus isn't there, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to play. Why would you? <laughs> that'd be boring. Okay. All right. So I do have something to share with you. I have no idea how much I'll get done. Um, usually, it, it, the weirdest thing, you know, I'm a, I, I, I was a teacher. I mean, that's probably one of my stronger gifts as a teacher. If you get either of those books, you'll see it's very line upon line, but it's also very extremely practical. The doctorate that I have is in practical theology, and I actually wrote my own curriculum because I didn't like what they had. So I said, I don't want, it. I don't want that. I want something that's practical. They said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do this, this, and this. I said, okay. So they created that for me, and that's how I got my doctorate. So it has to be, if I can't give you something that you can walk out this door today and do, I didn't do you, what have I done for you? Right? So that's my philosophy with the gospel, because the gospel is a totally practical thing in the earth. It's completely practical. It, it grows your crops. It saves your kids. You know, it heals your bodies, and it gives you friends. I mean, it's just, pra- it's life, right? The gospel's life, right? So we make it something weird. We make it religious and weird and political and stupid, and God's not that way. God's very practical. He's a dad. He's a family guy, and it's all about life. That took me a long time to learn that, a long time to learn that, but it's what it's about. So what I want to talk to you t- this morning about is, is this side of the cross. Okay, there's only, two, there's only two ages, really, on earth. There's pre-cross and post-cross, right? We have post-cross life, and I don't mean that the cross is over. I mean that it's, it's after the cross, right? So our life, we're in post-cross, and I'm so glad. Aren't you glad? I mean, I want to be in the post-cross, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be alive after the cross? Because the cross is the most pivotal event in human history. There's nothing that compares to it. Nothing ever. I mean, why do we have B.C. and A.D. and all that kind of stuff? I mean, even though the devil's tried to wipe it out. You know, that's what I love about God. He, when he plants something in the earth like the cross, nothing can get it out. So... This, it's really important we understand what does this mean to live in a, in a and I'm not getting theological, don't, don't worry about this, this is not, I'm not a philosopher, <laughs> it's not what I do, All right, but we're going to talk about what's the practical stuff that went on you know, after the cross, but I want to start out at, at uh, the Last Supper, okay? because some really cool stuff happened at the Last Supper, most of which we never hear about, right? so I just want to, you can turn there, I'm just, you know, just write these down because I, I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to go back and forth and stuff. In, starting in John 13 through John, actually 16, I think, 16 or 17, is the Last Supper. It is that whole event. It's, it's a lot in there. 
But here's one of the things he says. In John 13, 3, it's, I do want to read this one because it was really cool. Um, John 13, 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and he got a towel and he girded himself and he washed their feet. But the key here is knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Now think of what that statement is. God, the creator of the universe, gave Jesus. You know what? Here's the plan. They planned it all out together. They knew exactly what was going to happen. It comes to this point, and God says, it's all on you now. I mean, listen, think about that. It's all in Jesus' hands. A human. Perfect human. Never sinned, but it's all up to you now. God's out of the picture. Basically, he's saying it's all yours. That's pretty heavy. So, now chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus is on the cross. He's just told John, John, this is, my mom's your mom now. Your mom, he's your son now, right? He says that, then it says this. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, So God says, he goes first, at the Lord's Supper, he goes, knowing all things have been given into his hands. Then at the cross, he says, knowing that all things have already been done. It's all accomplished. So he had been faithful. He knew everything God gave him was done. That's pretty amazing. Don't you want to say that? This, the book, How to Find Your Purpose, not How to Find Your Purpose. Sorry, I've written four books on purpose. so. So this book right here. Let me tell you for a second, a little sidebar here. I'm going to come back to this. The reason that this book exists is because I was angry at God. Because I had found out what my purpose was, and I got so tired of Christians coming up trying to, how did you figure that out? How did you figure circus and evangelism? and What? And I'd tell them what the story was. Here's how I found out. And I told it again, and again, and again, and again. And I got so tired of the church being so ignorant of why they're on the planet, personally, at their personal level. I'm not talking about the corporate level. That I went to God and said, have one of your generals write a stinking book that I can hand to somebody so I don't have to say this anymore. And that was my attitude, okay? Think that's the right one? No, not the right attitude. So he goes, okay, you write it. I said, no, you didn't hear me. And literally, I had this conversation. I said, no, 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 you didn't hear me because I'd never written anything. I said, no, 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 you get one of your big guys who people will respect. He said, you write it. And so we had this argument for uh, probably days. And then I said, okay, I'll write it. So the first book came out in 1986 called How to Find Your Purpose in Life. This is like the third edition. And <clears throat> I was, uh, we were in, living in Dallas, Texas. My son was uh, between the ages of 12 and what, 14, 12 and 13, something like that. And he went into the drug world of Dallas, Texas. And, I mean, as deep, as hard as you can go. And he was arrested several times as a juvenile, uh, fought the police, uh, was packing, you know, nine millimeters and other weapons, and he was selling drugs and doing drugs. It was, a, it was really horrible. And in the midst of that is when the Lord said, I want you to start a ministry called Purpose International. I want you to teach people all over the world how to find their purpose. So I had to take my first book and rewrite it. So I'm in the midst of rewriting it while my son's going through all this. And one day I just went, you know what? I am not the guy. My family's a mess. My son's off the deep end. I said, I'm not even sure why I'm on the planet right now. And you want me to write a book and start a thing called Purpose International. Now, listen, guys, that's usually when he tells you to do something. 
right? To get you out of yourself. So uh, I put my head down on my computer desk where I was typing. I was typing on the book. And I said, I'm, I said, God, I'm not the guy. I quit. I put my head down. Boom. I'm out of my body. I'm in heaven. I'm standing in the throne. Jesus is about where Tim is, right about where uh, Josh is, is this man, about 30 years old or so. And Jesus is leaning forward, looking at the guy, real compassionate, but at the same time very stern. And, he, and the guy is weeping. He's broken. He's a Christian. And Jesus is saying, why didn't you do what I made you for? And this man is broken because he realized his whole life as a Christian, he was wasted. And he's just weeping, he's crying, he's going, I just didn't know how to find out. I didn't know what to do. And then it was like somebody pulled a curtain and there were thousands of people. I mean, as far as you could see, all Christians, all ages, all races, all weeping, saying the same thing. So I'm standing here watching all this and my heart's like totally broken for these people. I'm going, oh, this is horrible. Then Jesus turns to me and he goes, why didn't you tell him? Bam, back in my body. Whoa, I get it. Okay, no problem, motivation forever, I got it. But I knew what he, he wasn't saying I'm responsible for them, their decisions. He's saying I'm responsible for getting the message out. What people do with it is not my problem, that's not me. But I have a responsibility to do what I'm here for and that's one of the things I'm here for. So that's what this is about. Okay, then that ha- it's very, very practical. So when I come back to what Jesus said here on the cross, all things have been done. That's what I want to hear. Isn't that what we want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what Jesus is basically saying. Everything's been accomplished. I did everything. Everything I was supposed to do. That's what we all want to say. So followed by that, then... He, he turns to the, the guy on the cross says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He says, this day, today, not tomorrow, not three days from now. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's only three places that word's found. All three of them refer to heaven. Right? He's saying, today you're going to be with me in heaven. That's an amazing statement. I'm still not, I'm still not sure how it worked. You know, okay, he left his body, and they both went to heaven, then he comes back down and goes into Hades, and, you know, I'm not sure how it all happens, but that day, because he said today, that man was with him in heaven, all right? Then, the next thing he says is, it is finished. Well, what was finished? Everything. He had accomplished everything. When he says that, he, and he says it, he shouts it. He didn't just go, it's finished. He didn't do that. He shouted it. If you read in all the Gospels, it says he shouted. He said with a loud voice, it's finished. Screamed it as loud as he could. Depend, <laughs> compared to, well, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, his situation didn't probably give him a lot of energy, but he shouted as loud as he could. And then he says, Father, into your hands I commit. He didn't say I give. He said I commit. There's a difference between giving something and committing something. Committing is a full-on, 100%, no-holds-barred, everything. I commit my spirit to you. He didn't say, I hope this is going to (laughs) work. Right? He said, I commit my spirit into your hands. What what did he say at the the, uh, very first scripture we read? Everything had been given into his hands. Then he accomplished it, and he gave everything into the Father's hands. Again, right? I mean, this is big to me. I mean, you may be still going, I don't get it. 
it, and he committed it. For us, God is waiting for us to commit everything back into his hands. Our lives commit everything into his hands. Jesus said, pick up your cross, how often? Every day. And what is that? The place to commit everything to the Father, right? So every day, you've got to wake up and do that. doesn't mean that you lost your salvation. It's just a decision. You're, hey, today, you know what? I'm committing everything. I'm the cross, I'm, I'm there. Okay, does that make sense to you? Well, when he said, into your hands I commit my spirit, what's the next thing that happened? The veil in the temple splits in two from top to bottom. Now, why did God do that? Because he's saying, everything has been accomplished. It's all finished, and so now there's nothing between you and me. There's nothing between us. There's nothing that stops us from having fellowship and relationship. It's all gone. I've gotten rid of all the religious junk, all of the law stuff, everything that holds you back. Just now, it's to, just come on in. That's awesome, right? Uh, yeah, I love that part. I love that part. Okay, so then what happens? Then it says, you know, we know the scriptures, Jesus spent three days in the belly of the earth, right? Just like, uh, just like um, who's the guy in the fish? Jonah. I love it that Paul wrote, I love it that Paul wrote in the Bible. It says somewhere. Somebody wrote somewhere. I said, Thank you, Paul. Okay, so, <clears throat> so, so we know that he goes into the belly of the earth. We know he goes into Hades, not hell. He goes into Hades. Hades is a holding tank. Hell is eternal lake of fire, right? Gehenna. So he goes into Hades. Well, what does he do there? Now, I know that, that Pentecostal and other preachers, they love sweat-slinging, spitting, you know, when they just go after. He's fighting the devil in hell and stealing the keys. Hey, I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. It just, it, the only, here's the, whole, here's the closest thing I can find. Because he said it's finished. I'm like, he didn't say it's finished, except for this fight I got to go do. He didn't say that. He said it's finished. So in, in, in Ephesians, oh, excuse me, in Colossians, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, he put off from himself all the demons. Because what was happening on the cross? What was happening when he was getting beaten? It says, he took all of our sicknesses, all of our disease, all of our torment into his body. That, every demon that wasn't busy was on that guy, yeah. on the cross. But it says he put off or he pushed away from himself all the demons. When? When he said, it's finished. I could see, they're just flying in all directions. Because they don't, what do you mean it's finished? What happened here? And Father, now I commit my spirit into your hands. Not the devil's hands where I got to fight him for something. He went into, it's, and then it says in, in, in that same scripture, it says that <clears throat> he, he made an open display of those that he put off from himself. And it says he triumphed over them in it. What's the it? It's the cross. That's where the triumph was. So it was all done. So why did he have to go and why did he go to three days and down into Hades? What was that all about? Because he had to go tell them, I'm the guy. I mean, this is this is uh, first Greenman, okay? I believe he went into Hades, and he walked in. First, he went to all the guys who are in Abraham's bosom. said, I'm the guy you've been waiting for. It's over. 
We're, gonna, we're going to paradise together. It's going to be awesome forever. And then he walked into where all the demons, all, all the fallen angels are all chained up. <clears throat> I'm not going to go into all those scriptures. but And he said, okay, you remember me? Remember me from heaven? Remember me when uh, you guys fell? Remember me? Well, here's what just happened. And he explained the whole thing to him. This is, this, is my, this is what I picture. Because I'm, I'm a visual guy, I have to know. I can't, I can't read it, I have to see it. So in my times of meditation, this is what I see. And he explains the gospel fully to those in paradise, and the, I mean those in Abraham's bosom and those who are chained up. Explains fully what's going to happen. Explains what's going to happen to the end of the age. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, it says... When he ascended, he led captive a host of captives. The word captive only means prisoner, slave. It does not, people say, oh, now he's leading all the Christians. Well, of course he did, but that's not who he's talking about there. He's talking about this incredible host. I mean, I don't know how many thousands, myriad probably, of, of demonic forces. And he led them all in a procession uh, through heaven and displayed them all as completely defeated to everyone. To the Father, to all the saints that were there, to all the angels, the living creatures, the elder. These guys are nothing. Pretty cool. Then he comes down to earth, and he said, what does he do? He said he gave gifts to men. What did he give? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? He's already defeated everything that could, could hold us back. He says, now here's, I'm going to give you these gifts, these, these five equipping gifts. And they're here to do one thing. Equip you to go do the ministry. Now here's what we did. Here's what the devil got us to do. And say, they're here to be superstars who do all the work while you watch. Never was meant to be that. But it was that way for centuries. It didn't start out that way. It came, became that. And it became political. It became religious. It became nonsense. And it was all about the guy who was up front. It was. I mean, and we're all guilty. Listen, we're all guilty, me included, of, of propagating that. I tell everybody, I said, I'm a UPS driver. I deliver packages. That's all I am. I'm the guy at Home Depot. And when you go up and say, hey, where can I find this tool? And I tell you where to find it. Or maybe even show you a better tool. That's what I am. That's what the five-fold guys are and, and women. That's what we are. We are here to equip you, to give you, to help you understand, to, to bring some uh, order to things and all that. But the ministry, the work of ministry is on the church. It's not on us. Now, we got to do it because we're church too. But we're here to equip. I, I tell everybody, I said... The last time the UPS guy, or the mailman, however you want to say this, came to your house and delivered something, did you go out and go, whoa, look at that guy. He just, look, what, look what he just did. He put that letter in my mailbox. Whoa, he's awesome. Let's follow him. We do that. We don't do that. But that's what we are. We're equippers, right? We just come and give you stuff so you can go do what God called you to do, which is everything Jesus did, Right? So this is, what, this is what I'm saying. The post-cross is awesome. Because not only did he defeat everything that could stop us, then he gives us these amazing gifts to equip us with. 
to help us go out and do what? All that Jesus did and greater. Which Jesus made that statement during the Last Supper. He said, look, I'm going away. I'm going to send you another comforter. He's going to show you everything uh, about the Lord, about God. He's going to reveal to you all that the Father is, all that he does. And he's going to show you everything to come. And here's another thing he's going to do. He's going to show you everything that belongs to me. And by the way, everything that belongs to me is what belongs to God. He's going to show you all that. And then Paul later says, guess what? We're joint heirs with Jesus. What does that mean? We say it, but what does it mean? It means whatever belongs to Jesus belongs to us. What, is, what belongs to Jesus? Everything. Now, I know you don't believe that. Because if you believed it, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be raising the dead all over the world. Okay? If everything belongs to Jesus belongs to me, and everything that belongs to Jesus is what belongs to God, everything belongs to God, that means it belongs to me. If A equals B and A equals C, B equals C, right? We're, we, that's what Jesus, make them one like we're one is what he prayed. Everything is ours. The land out there, it doesn't belong to the heathens. It doesn't belong to the devil, it belongs to us. Now, what, what, we ha- what we have to do is exactly what Jesus did. Because Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Because I'm always looking at him you got to be there first, and then you got to ask, okay, what part of everything in the universe that is mine am I supposed to steward? Because it isn't everything. <laughs> we can't do that. It all belongs to us. It belongs to mankind. It belongs to the, to the church. But what's my part? See, I'm a king, right? We're all kings, but we're kings under a king. So we all have territory that we are supposed to rule and reign over to some extent under the authority of the king who's over us. Does that make sense? Like in England, there was one king, but in all the other parts, like Scotland and, and Ireland and the other parts, there were other kings that all had to bow to that king. But they ruled. That's what we're supposed to do. And if it, guess what? If it's just your house and your family, you can have the power of heaven to do it with. If you're called to run all over the world, you have the power of heaven to do it with. If God tells you to go somewhere, now here's what happened. When when we were told to go to Kansas City, I said, what are we supposed to do? I'm asking the king, what do you want me to do? He said, all I want you to do is serve the leaders. I said, that's easy. We can do that. So we got there, started looking for leaders to serve. Right? And I had no other agenda. Didn't care. I mean, I didn't. I, all I'm, this is what I'm here for. You know, I didn't have any other job. Spending my own money, right? After about a month there, a prophet calls us out of the 3,000 people that are sitting in the auditorium. And he said, he calls us by name. Didn't know us, never met us. Bill and Meg, where are you? Uh, stand up. We stand up. And he says, now, I don't understand this one. But the Lord told me your life's been like a circus. Duh. You know? But nobody knew, right? And then he says, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't, you didn't, it wasn't like a circus. You were in the circus. Oh, no, you owned a circus. And then he said, the Lord wants you to know you're in the perfect geographic will of God. 
That was all he said. And then we sat down. I went, I know that. <laughs> I mean, I did. I said, why did he say, why did he? Because I didn't know anything about the prophetic then. And he was, it wasn't for us. It was for the guys who were, part, who were the staff. It was for Bickle for guys like Tim. And the next day, they, well, actually that day, they came and said, hey, we need to talk to you tomorrow. I'm thinking, okay. I went in and I sat down and said, look, Paul Kane has never said that to anybody in the history of, that we've ever known. He said, and there are lots of people who come in here who want to be a part of what we're doing. And when he said that, the Lord said, they're supposed to be on staff. Okay? Can you come? We need an extra pastor uh, to help with all these things. Can, can you come on staff and do that? And I said, well, I'm not really the pastoral type, you know? Um, I said, but I'm here to serve the leaders, and if that's what you need, that's what I'll do, right? And so we went on staff. And he goes, well, there's, there's one other thing. I said, what's that? He said, we don't have any money. We can't pay you. And I went, I didn't ask you to pay me. God didn't ask. I didn't, he didn't tell me you're going to pay me. He didn't say I was going to be on staff. Don't worry about it. He said, when you can pay me. I said, okay. So when our money ran out, they were able to pay us, right? So we were on staff for three years. Hundreds of people came there wanting to be on staff. I mean, crashing and burning because of it, because they weren't called to it. I didn't care. All I wanted to do was, what is my kingdom you want me to rule in? Show me what that is. If it's this right now, awesome. Three, four years later, that same prophet calls me out of another five or, I think it was about 10,000 people downtown in Kansas City and said, Bill, that circus guy, where are you? <laughs> Just like that. Now, the stupid thing was, I was, I was doing all the logistics. I was the guy running the, the mechanical aspects of this meeting. So I'm backstage over here, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, Paul's going to call you out very soon. So I walk out, and I'm standing in the middle of the aisle about 10, 15, actually about 50 yards back. And, he go, and when he says he goes, he goes, Bill, where are you? Bill, the circus guy pointed to where I was just standing. <laughs> didn't know me, didn't know anything about me. And so I'm standing there going, I am such a putz. What's, you know, trying to do the Holy Ghost job for him. Like he can't tell the guy where I'm standing. So anyway, he says, whatever you're doing, stop doing it, and God will, you know, and find something else to do for a while. See, the word a while is like the word soon, yeah. right? I'm coming back soon, okay? So, but I didn't know that then. So to do something else for a while, and God will give you back your ministry of evangelism, a whole new world, something you've never done before, and you'll love it, okay? I thought, oh, okay, well, I'm not sure what that is. Anyway, the bros next day, hey, what do you think that's about? I said, I think I'm supposed to go off staff, and I, I, I think I'm supposed to go in the business world. I said, yeah, that's what we think, too. So he said, look, we're going to pay, for the rest of the year, we're going to pay your salary. Just go find out what God wants you to do, which is awesome, right? So I'm figuring it's going to be about a year and a half. It's going to be in the business world. Guess how long it was? 23 years. 23 years. All I want to do is, biz- all I want to do is ministry. I don't know anything about business. I've never been a business guy. I don't know anything. So for the next 23 years, I learned as much as I could about business. I probably, st- I don't know how many, how many business, I don't know, don't even answer that. <laughs> I, know, I started, and everything I did failed. I did, I, you know, I looked into real estate. I spent a lot of money. Don't get mad. I spent a lot of money and, and learned a ton 
uh, had two successful businesses that, that actually they were dismantled by other people. It uh, wasn't my, any fault of my own. Just everything I started, I learned, you know, I did IPOs, did, you know, which is stock stuff, and, you know, looked into real estate, did uh, network marketing, uh, regular businesses, worked as an administrator in a couple of million-dollar companies, an executive thing. I mean, all this stuff, and it was, but nothing worked because I felt like a fish climbing a tree. It was just, this, is, this makes no sense. Why am I in the business world? I'm a minister. This, what am I doing? But he was getting rid of a lot of junk that I needed to get rid of. That's when my son went through his stuff. That's when I wrote the books. You know, I wrote these books. I thought, okay, this is going to open everything back up. Then there it comes, and pfft, nothing. You know, people were not buying my book by the thousands, okay? And I thought, I'm going to get all these speaking dates. No, nothing happened. So I'm not happy. And, you know, God has to get to the point where you go through all that stuff to where you go, I don't care anymore. What do you want? Anything you want, I don't care. And which is, you know, where we are. So this was just a couple years ago that, that the Lord said, okay, that's over. Time to go back into ministry. And I'm sitting there going, really? You know, I don't even know what that means anymore. I don't know what ministry means anymore. And so I had to just take some time and search it out and, and uh, you know, came up with, I'm an equipper. I got to equip the saints to go do the stuff. And so I love to travel around and teach people, how do you prophesy? How do you pray for the sick? How do you do this stuff? How do you see the miracles? So, and that's what we've been doing. It's, and it's awesome. And I love it. And it's, it's the new world of evangelism because that's where we're headed with it. It's all about evangelism. You know, give, if I can equip the saints to do the miraculous, the supernatural, out where they live, evangelism happens. Just, just, it just happens organically, Right? Because people will, what was that? And they want to know how you got there. And they just, they get drawn in and then you can raise them. But discipleship has to be the key. That has to be the focus. Because if you're not making disciples, you're not doing what Jesus said. Because after the, you know, actually after the cross, what did he say? He said, go into all the world and preach and teach them to do all that I commanded you. That's how you make a disciple. Okay? Because the world, it says observe in some translations. Teach them to observe. But observe means to do. And that it really means to do. Teach people how to do what I commanded you. You know how many commands of Jesus there are in the, in the New Testament? Anybody want to guess? 170. 170 separate commands Jesus gave. That's a lot. Most of us could probably name off three or four. Okay, and we're supposed to be, not, not from a law stand, not from the thing of, you got to do this because he said it. it. It's because it's the thing of, Jesus said this, I want to do it because I love this. I love Jesus. And I know if I do this, people are going to get helped. And I'm going to grow, right? So discipleship has to be the main focus of our, if you're going to do the supernatural, that's great. Go out and do it. But if your focus is just to do it, you're wrong. If your focus is just to go out and see miracles and get people healed, you're wrong. Jesus said to some guys, I never knew you. Right? We did the miracles. We did all this stuff. He said, I don't know you. Because guess what? The name of Jesus works even if you don't know him. I mean, that's a, the word of God works. Be quiet. Because there's power in the name. There's power in the word. 
You know what I love about Peter at the, at the beautiful gate, Peter and John? They go to the, um, the, the man who's crippled. And he says, you know what, I don't have any money, but I got what you need. He said, I'm going to give you what I have. He owned it. Peter and John, Peter owned it. When Jesus said, go do what I do, did in greater and do it in my name, he owned that. That's mine. I have it. I have it so I can give it to you. He didn't pray. He didn't ask God to do anything. He didn't ask Jesus to do anything, which we do all the time. And that's why it doesn't work very well. He just said, rise and walk. Boom. Grabbed him by the hand, picked him up. That's what he had. I have the name of Jesus. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave him what he had. Because he knew, I can give you money. That's not what you need. Fortunately, right now I don't have any, so I'm not going to blow that chance to give you what you really need. You know, Tim and I were talking about this on the way up today. Back when we started our circus, we made the decision, we're not pouring any of our personal money into the ministry. Either you pay for it, or we're not doing it because I know I'm a putz, and I can push and try and make something happen. But if I leave it on your hands, the money on your hands, the timing's in your hands. Because you can't do stuff without money. Right? you got to have money to do stuff. Because he's telling us to buy equipment and you know, costumes and sound equipment and travel and all that stuff. Well, you got to have money to do that. So that's still my philosophy. That's still my commitment. If you don't give me the money, I'm not, I can't do it. And you know what? I love that. Because when people say, hey, you're going to go do this? If he supplies the money, I'll go. But I haven't heard that I'm supposed to go, so I'm just keeping an open-handed. God, you want me to go? Give me the money. And so he does that. You know, he does that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how I got off on that. It wasn't where I was going to go. Um, anyway, it all comes down to I'm here for one reason. I'm living on this side of the cross for one reason, to do everything Jesus did in greater, to be his hands, his feet, his word, his flesh, his hug, you know, to his supernatural conduit. That's what I'm here for. I, I always tell God, I said, God, I just want to be a riverbed. That everything, you said, out of my belly flow river of living water. So I want my whole life to be a riverbed. Everything, physical, financial, social, mental, spiritual, emotional, political, everything. So you can flow through me with anything you need. I want an abundance for every good deed, not just to hand somebody 50 bucks. That's what I want. Because then, if it's a river, it's flowing through you all the time, and you don't get to hang on to a lot of it, so it can't overtake you, right? <clears throat> okay. That was not in my notes, so somebody needed that. I don't know, whatever. Okay. Um, so after the cross, Jesus breathes on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says, by the way, hang around, because I got some power for you. Remember I told you I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Well, or John said I'm, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus says it again. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and power to be my witness. A witness means someone who has actually seen it, done it, right? So he said, don't leave the city till you get that. And then he ascends. Boom, here comes rushing mighty wind. They're all hanging in the upper room. And they all start speaking in tongues. And miracles start to break out. 3,000 people get saved. Absolutely awesome kickstart of, of the church, right? Man, if you're going to start a church, that's the way to start the church. I mean, right? I think about it. Boom, we're done. Okay. <clears throat> so, anyway, so that happens. The fire comes, the power comes, everything happens. 
And <clears throat> the next thing that happens is we start getting the epistles, right? I mean, miracles are happening. I'm not taking away from that. Miracles are happening. All this stuff's going on. But then we start getting the writings of the, of the apostles. And we start hearing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because they're happening, but nobody knows what to call them. Nobody so Paul starts writing these letters in 1 Corinthians. Here comes the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecies, tongues, interpretation, faith, healing, miracles. All this stuff, it's all of a sudden it's happening. But now he's giving, okay, here's what this means. And he, he's in chapter 12, he says, seek these things. Chapter 14, he says, seek these things. And right in the middle, like an Oreo cookie, is this wonderful cream that says, by the way, none of this works if you don't love people. <laughs> kind of what Jesus said. So love has to be, it's the cream filling. It's what makes this all work. Now, see, i got to tell you, you can do the other without the love. How do I know? Because I did it. When we had the circus, I, a lot of the miracles and stuff was happening because I hated the devil so much. Because I'd had a, some stuff in my life wasn't, hadn't been good. So I so hated the devil when I found out he was the source, all I wanted to do was kick him in the teeth every day. So the miracles and the signs and the wonders and even the people getting saved was to kick him in the teeth, not because I was in love with you. Wrong motivation took me some time. In fact, it wasn't until my son went through all that stuff that I really realized, oh, they, this is about, because all I cared about was my son. I just wanted my son to be well. I just wanted him to be healed and us to be friends, and God did that. But it broke all that junk off me. It was really good. Because love, if it isn't love, it's nothing. All right? Now, see, Tim is the consummate lover. Right? He is endowed with an overflowing effervescence of love. Most men cannot handle Tim Johns. Right? It's, right? Because, yeah, listen, I, get it. I used to watch it at Kansas City. Because <laughs> a lot of the guys there, they, they, they weren't lovers. And uh, fortunately, I had been raised by a, a pastor and his family who were lovers. And we, we learned watching them. Though, though while I didn't have it, I loved hugging guys. It was, it, yeah, there's, I mean, hugging women is wonderful. But there's something about a guy, a hug from a guy that's different. That's just, I can't explain it. Women, you have the same thing. Okay, so I would watch Tim. Because Tim invades your personal space. Right? <laughs> Because it's got so much love to give. And he's like right here, you know. And he doesn't move. He stays there. And he's telling you how much he loves you and how wonderful you are. And you just want to go, can you do that? You know. But that's because he's got so much to deposit. Right? It's a gift. It's an awesome gift. And you guys get to hang with that gift all the time. I miss this guy. I mean, we haven't been around each other in a long time. And when I think about, about love, how, how men can love in a clean way, I think about Tim. Amen. And always have since I've met him. Right? So, <clears throat> you seek spiritual gifts, but you've got to have the love. You've got to have that cream filling, right? You, speak the spirit, you, you seek the spiritual gifts, and you're supposed to do them, especially that you can prophesy. I love that, that you can prophesy. That's a, that's a cool, cool gift. When you can speak literally one word and change somebody's life. 
Not, not a sentence. I'm just saying, just say, the Lord says, boom, and that one word breaks everything off of them, right? Amazingly powerful. Better than a healing, I think. But we get to do the healing. We get to do all this stuff. And then there's the sign. We're, we are signs people. We're signs people. Okay? What did Jesus say? These signs follow them that believe. Right? We're people of signs and wonders and miracles. And we're supposed to be casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers. We're supposed to be not afraid of anything. Jesus said nothing will harm you. We were talking about on the way up here. <laughs> we were talk- he was talking about the, mo- the size of the mountain lions that are up in the... And where we're going, there aren't really any, but there's other things that can hurt you. And, you know, I was talking with the, the man up there, uh, Christopher's his name, and um, he says, yeah, I'm- and anytime I leave the house, I've-, I've got a gun on my hip. And he says, do you shoot? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, you need to. And I said, I'm not sure of that. I said, I don't, I'm not a gun guy, That's, and I have nothing against it. I love it. I love the Second Amendment. My son is a gun guy. It's just never been anything on me. And I said, I'd rather have, I'd rather have the gun of the Holy Ghost because I can run out of ammunition in my Glock or whatever I'm carrying, but I don't run out of bullets with the Holy Ghost. And, I, uh, and I've had times where I've spoken to animals, and they've done exactly what I told them to do, dangerous animals. So I'm thinking, I'm not sure, I'm not opposed to it if God said, you know what, because Jesus said, hey, carry a sword with you now, after he rose. If God said, hey, you know what, learn how to shoot and carry one, I'll do it in a heartbeat, because it's not about me. But I'd rather have the Holy Ghost. I'd rather have the power of God going through me, because there's nothing like that. There is nothing like that. I mean, we... Can I give a testimony? Can I give another? I just love to do this stuff. God is, God's cool. So we're, this is back when we had the circus. We're laying in bed. Our window looks out over across the field where our circus equipment is and where the church is where we're set up. This really stormy day, morning. And, you know, I, I, really, I noticed that Meg has sat up and she's looking out the window and all of a sudden she grabs me with one of those, get up here, grabs, you know. And so I sit up and there's a tornado coming straight at the church. I mean, this thing was massive. And I didn't think about it. I didn't do anything. It just was a gift of faith dropped into my spirit. And I said, in Jesus' name, pull up in the clouds and get out of here. And it went, whoop, whoop, just like that. And Meg, on the way, as it goes, she goes, and you can't hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. So the thing goes down about a mile or so down the road, drops into, what a surprise, a trailer park. And tears a couple of trailers. Nobody gets hurt. Tears a bunch of trees up and disappears. That morning, five tornadoes landed in, in, Orlando, in, in Tampa. And six or seven people were killed on the other side of town. So we were getting, it was coming from there. So when we heard about that, now that was a cool thing. I mean, that was awesome. We're like, whoa, did you see that? It was incredible. Because you could see the path where the tornado was coming through all the, the trees and everything, breaking everything down, got right up to... Where we and then it was disappeared, stopped. Right. So when we found out that these people were killed, I was so angry at the devil for killing them. We were just about ready to go on a road show. I said, I want a hundred people for every person who was killed, born again on this road show. I think it was five, and we came back with over five hundred people saved. 
right? Because here's the thing. If I really do have authority over the devil, if I really do have authority that all the authority that Jesus had, if everything really belongs to me and I can do everything that he did in greater, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? Why can't I tell a tornado to to get out of here? Why can't I send angels out to do things? Why can't I do everything he did? Why can't I walk on water and multiply food? Right? Why can't I control animals? And Like he did, control the fish, go get a coin. It's on the bottom, it's pulled in your mouth. And then, by the way, while that thing's in your mouth, bite that hook. I mean, think about that. Right? So everything he did, we can do in greater. And that's my goal. I want to do everything he did. Why? Because the price he paid was too big not to. Because it wasn't just dying on the cross. It was for eternity going from God to a man forever. I mean, that's too big for me to go, yeah, I don't know if I want to heal the sick. Yeah, I don't know if I want to prophesy. What if people don't like me? Right? I don't really want to move across the country. I don't really want to go and tell people about Jesus. You know, what if they reject me? He leaves, he leaves Godhead and becomes a man forever. When he went back to heaven, he didn't change. He went back a glorified man. Okay, That's too big a price for me to go, I'm only going to do this much. No, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do it all. As much as he'll let me do in whatever part, part of this earth I'm supposed to reign in, I'm going to do everything. Because he's worth it. Because what he did is worth it. And because you're worth it. People are worth it. I can honestly say without any reservation... My motivation is I love people, and I love Jesus and the Father and Holy Spirit more than anything. And that's what I live for, is how can I help people and how can I love him? Because when I help the people, I'm loving him. When I hug you, I'm hugging him, right? That's, that's the post-cross life. That's where we're supposed to be. That's why we're on, why didn't he just take us off the planet when we get born again? Because he wants us to be him in the earth and bring more, right? And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're going to be standing in front of people. It doesn't mean you're going to see thousands and thousands of miracles. It doesn't mean anything. It just means what did he tell you to do? Go do that. But whatever he told you to do, that's where you can expect the miracles to happen. Well, what if I'm in a boardroom? Or what if I'm out with a bunch of cattle? Heal the cattle. Lay hands on them. Start there. Do something. Right? You know, I'm, it's, it's not a, we get so caught up in, you know, well, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. No, it has to be whatever he tells you. It's just whatever he tells you. We, laid, we had a, a horse down this road from, street from us because we, we were out in the country where we had our circus set up. And we get this call because we became the go-to people. We became, they, people knew something bad goes on, call them. They'll know what to do. We didn't always know what to do. I got a call one time, uh, you need to come down here, I just had the baby's dead. Okay, so I go down and, and there's this brand new baby and the husband's trying to pump life into it. And the reason the baby died is because he thought he was in faith making his wife have a natural birth. She was totally scared to death and the baby came breached and died in, in the birth canal. I mean, that's not fun to get that call. And I'd like to say I raised the baby from the dead, but the Lord said, don't even think about it. Because I don't want this guy raising that kid. Now, I know that may screw with people's theology. Messed up my head. Right? 
But we get this call from down the road and said, hey, can you guys come down here? Our horse has been attacked by a dog. I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it, it really torn up pretty bad. I mean, big holes, chest and butt and all this kind of stuff. So we come down, and, and the vet gets there by the time we do, and we just laid hands on the horse and said, in Jesus' name, we command these things to heal up and for no scars and just this horse to be healthy. And, and the, the vet's kind of like, because he, he's cleaning the wounds. That horse never skipped a beat. Basically, no scars, little tiny lines where, where the chunks of flesh had been taken out, little tiny lines where you know, they'd sewed it back together. That was it. And they call, what they call the horse? The miracle, something miracle. September's miracle or something like that. that you want to be those people. You want to be the one getting the call in the middle of the night saying, come pray. You want to be them. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. You want to be the hero. You want to be the one that doesn't need somebody to kick you in the butt to go do something because you're already ready to go. You want to be the one that says, hey, you know, we need help doing this, and you're, I'm there. Right? I mean, if I didn't have to drive five hours, I'd help you t start working on this place because I love that. Right? Be the hero. Be Jesus in the earth. Be that supernatural person. Find out what you're supposed to do and do it with expecting the power of God to flow through you right there. That's awesome. I mean, I think about some goofy circus guy and people are getting saved and healed. Why? Because that was my kingdom that I was supposed to rule and reign over for that time. Okay? Listen, I, I, you know, I'm, th there's no condemnation in anything I'm saying. I'm, I'm, try I'm, I want, I'm trying to inspire you and give you a little bit of education. You can do it. I mean, I was a mistake looking for a place to happen. I was a mess. I had no, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't have, I didn't know where I was going. I changed my major in college five times in five years, right? I didn't know. And I'm the guy who's writing books on purpose? That's only God, okay? So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter anything. Because if you think, oh, I'm too old, Moses was how old? He's 80, don't give me that, right? That doesn't fly with God. Larry. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How many of you, when Larry laid hands on you, felt something happen? Raise your hand. How many of you felt something? Why? Because God wants to use Larry. He didn't just heal him because, oh, I just feel like healing Larry and his wife today. Because he's got stuff for Larry to do. He doesn't want Larry to even think about being shy when somebody's sitting next to him. And I'm prophesying to you, Larry, that when you're sitting in a restaurant and somebody is go, man, that really hurts. And you just go, you know what? Can I just pray for you? And you give them your testimony, you pray for them, they're instantly healed. Right there in the restaurant. That's what he's looking for. Because that's where Jesus is. That's where the life is. Right? It's not about age. There's no baby Holy Spirit and old guy Holy Spirit. There's only Holy Spirit, right? And it doesn't matter how old you are. He will flow through you. Can I give you an example? My, our daughter, seven years old. We're, we're out in the middle of somewhere in Indiana and <clears throat> doing the circus. And we do the show. And it's at the end of the show. And the Lord says, I want you to say this. There's all farmers. Everybody's a farmer, right? Because you're out in the middle of the cornfields. And he said, tell them. He said, how many of you know the difference between rogue corn and corn? Yeah, rogue corn has no ears on it. It just looks like corn. And the Lord said, 
I said, the Lord told me to tell you, a bunch of you guys are just rogue corn. You look right, but you aren't. You look like it, but you got no fruit. And I mean, the air went out of the place. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? You know? <laughs> and, and I mean, nothing is happening. I could feel it, but I knew I was supposed to say it. Our daughter, seven years old, because we'd had a little circus parade, and she was dressed in a little ballerina outfit. She comes, walks right up to me. Now, there's like several hundred people in the stands. She goes, Daddy, the Lord told me to dance. Can you put some music on? And I went, yep, put something on. They put on some music. She just, about 30 seconds, stops. I'm done. Goes over and sits down. The Holy Spirit goes, in the place. People start weeping and crying. I mean, they start coming to get saved. You know, my, 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 one of my guys in the show who was not prophetic, he goes, I have a word for every young person here. Line them up over there. These parts prophesying to all these people. People got healed. I mean, just kabam. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is ageless. He used that little girl to break off that demonic junk that was on everybody. It was awesome. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I'm standing there going, yeah, 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 I'm glad they didn't ask me to dance. I mean, that would have been ugly. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Yeah, and, my, and I was. I'm wearing stuff. I, wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have worked. So it's not about age. It's not about anything except positioning yourself to let him use you. Be the hero. Be Jesus. Jesus didn't walk away from anybody who came to him. Don't walk away from people. All right. He loved everybody. Everybody who came to him asking, they got healed. They got delivered. They got help for their loved one. Right? Be that person. Right where you are. Doesn't mean you have to have meetings and do it, and have a platform. Doesn't mean anything. Just means be that person. Let people start to know that if they got a problem, they can call you. That at least you know how to pray. Right? Sometimes all they need for you to do is listen and hug them. Just be that person. Okay? It, isn't, it isn't about the grandiose stuff. It's just about living. It's just, I can't tell you, make, I can't tell you how many times in the middle of the night I had to go help somebody change a tire on the highway 50 miles away. Why? Because I'm, I'm Jesus in the earth. I'm, it's why I'm here. It wasn't because, okay, this is going to be a great testimony. That's not that. It's that person had a need. I needed to go help them. And they called me. And I'm going to say, uh... No, I'm not getting up and giving you a loaf of bread. No. You know, Jesus talked about that guy, right? Okay, so I want to pray for you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we all have different calls. We all have different places we live. We're all kings of specific territories. God, put in each of our hearts. Show us exactly who we are. Show us exactly what we're supposed to do. You are in us, Holy Spirit. You are the one. You know how to do it. You know what we need to hear. We thank you that when we call upon you, you answer us. You said, Jesus, we hear your voice and we'll follow you. Therefore, we can hear the, your voice. If we've never heard it before, we're going to hear it right now. And Father, I, I, I thank you that from this day forward, just like they're renovating the inside of this building... Renovate all of our hearts. Do the same thing. Make us new. Do things new in us. Change us. Change our mindsets. Renew us. Renew our mind. Transform us. 
And every time these people walk in here, Lord, any of us walk in here, and they see the changes, they'll remember this, and they'll go, you know what? I'm changing too. And help us all to be you in the earth, Jesus. Help us all to be you in the earth. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to do one thing. Is there anybody in here who has an incurable disease? Something that can't be cured. They've told you it can't be cured. Anybody? And if there's not, that's cool. Yes, ma'am? Okay, come here. I do this everywhere. I want to know who the incurables are. Because that's what Jesus does. Okay? So I just want you to agree with me. All right? Listen, there's no long prayers for healing in the Bible. Longest one's about nine words. I don't pray, I don't pray long prayers. All right? Unless God says to. So I'm just going to lay my hand on your shoulder. Right? And what's going to happen is the power of God, whether you feel it or not, doesn't matter. He's going to change your genetics. And the kidney stones won't happen anymore. How can you say that? It's easy. The Holy Spirit's going to go through you. And you're not going to have kidney stones anymore. That's how hard it is, folks. This is how hard it is. What was Tim, I was watching Tim when he was praying for everybody up here. What was he saying? Anybody remember what he said? All he said was, in Jesus' name, be healed. He didn't say anything else. Because that's all they did in the New Testament. It's hard to believe, though, isn't it? I understand. I understand. It's okay. So in Jesus' name, be healed. Now, if you could see what was happening, in the DNA, and we've all seen those spirals, things are changing. Because the moment I put my hand on it, I could see it right here, like a picture. And I saw them all being changed. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm going to lay my hands on your kidneys. Is that okay? Okay. Always ask permission, guys. Okay? Always ask permission. You never know. That person may turn around and, you know, put their finger through your eyeball or something, you know. (laughs) So, so in Jesus' name, kidneys, you will never have another kidney stone. I'm speaking to you in Jesus' name. No more kidney stones. In fact, this girl, what's your name, sweetheart? Aaron. Aaron? This girl, Aaron, will have a ministry of healing to people with kidney stones. And even animals who are genetically modified will be changed. And your friends, Aaron, are going to look at you and say, what happened to you? They're going to see a difference in your face. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, there's no such word as incurable in the kingdom. You okay? Can I give you a hug? You okay? Sweet girl. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, (laughs) Gratefulness? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now... I can hear people thinking, gosh, what if she has a kidney stone that's going to be so devastating? Only if you let it be. I don't believe it'll happen. But what if it did? 
doesn't change the word of God, doesn't change Jesus, doesn't change what I said to her, doesn't change anything. Truth is truth. That happened. And if any symptom ever came back, you do what Paul did. Said, I buffet my body to keep it under. That means to slap with a closed fist. So anytime, and listen, I've had 23 different bone and joint injuries. I understand pain. I understand hurt. Okay? But anytime pain starts to come in my body, I hit that part. I just slap and say, no, in Jesus' name. And probably 99% of the time, it goes right away. Okay. <clears throat> um, I, ha I do want to prophesy to a couple people. Can I do that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm sure that'll come. So... <laughs> so I, I'm going to prophesy to Mono first. Now, people always, people always ask me, you know, because this happens a lot, how come the prophetic guys prophesy to the prophetic guys? Because we need it. Because God wants to say something. What, what's the problem, you know? I'm like, don't, just get over yourself and your, your pain, right? Okay. So, Mono, so I see you driving, um, I see you driving a 18-wheeler, uh, and on the side it says happiness, all the way down the side. And it's filled with um, those little uh, smiley faces on the inside. And the joy of the Lord, you are going to deliver semi-loads of joy to the nations, because the, the truck not only could go down the highway, which means you will be traveling this this. Uh, country, but you, it also had wings that came out, and it flew, and you will go to the other nations and deposit this joy, but it's a two-way street, because as you deposit the joy, the strength of the Lord comes back into you, because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength, and as you wow. give it, strength comes into you, and it'll be physical strength, but it'll all be emotional strength, and it will also be relational strength, but it'll also be financial strength, and it'll also be favor strength will come back into you because you're not afraid to say what the Lord told you to say and the way he told you to say it and the way he told you to do it. I see someone sitting next to you. Uh, it, it's, you know, I don't know if you're married. I don't know anything about you other than your name. Okay, so, <clears throat> but there's someone sitting next to you. It's a young man, uh, baseball cap, and this guy's eyes are like flint. He is so focused on the things of the Lord, and it's a mentoring situation, and he will surpass you because of what you pour into him. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for bringing that young man to him, whoever that might be. We thank you for the deposit that he makes and will continue to make, and we thank you for opening up the highways and opening up the nations for him to make those deposits in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that good? All right. So um, this one right here. Tell me what your name is, sweetie. Yeah. Sue? Uh, you live here, Sue? Do you live here? Okay. Because I'm going, she doesn't live here. I mean, that's what's going through my head. She doesn't live here. Okay. Well, Sue, <clears throat> get ready for a big change. Get ready for the stops, all of the posts to be pulled out from under you in a good way. You will not fall. You will, it looks like there's nothing there to support you, but the Lord's supporting you. And people will marvel at the things that are happening in your life. They will marvel because your countenance will never change. They're watching the things being dismantled around you, yet your ch countenance never changes because the Lord sustains you so powerfully. I don't see anything bad happening. It's just changes happening. It's not devastation. It's just change. So in that change, there is change, and I mean money change. Uh, and as you let the changes happen, 
change comes to you. Uh, it's like uh, rolls and rolls and rolls of quarters and silver dollars. I mean, it's, it's valuable stuff coming to you. So, Lord, we, I, I thank you. that, and, and you know, in fact, I see you break open one of those things. You pull a specific quarter out, and you said, Lord, this is the seed you told me I could sow, and you give it into uh, I don't know, minister, no, something to the poor, something to the poor. And when you do that, I, uh, someone comes up uh, and hands you like 10 more. Okay, so you understand sowing and reaping. You understand how this works. So, Lord, I release that upon her for the change that's coming, for your sustaining power, for people to see that she doesn't, she, her face isn't changing, her countenance isn't changing in the midst of this massive change. And then I thank you for the financial change and its actual money coming to her. Uh, and there's something about silver. So uh, coming to her. And that as it comes, you will show her where to sow it in Jesus' name. Amen. Does that make any sense to you at all? Some of it does. Okay. No, that, and I always ask. And here's why. Because everybody else is going, I wonder if that means anything. Right? So I always ask to, so everybody else goes, oh, that's good. I'm glad it meant something. So that guy's not embarrassed. Doesn't match anything yet. Yeah. It's totally weird. Totally weird. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, I know. So the, it's, you know, what the Bible says is two or more prophets, one should judge while the other one should speak, the other should judge. So, so she said some of it does and some of it doesn't. All right. A lot of times with prophecy, and this will happen to you when you prophesy to people, some of it will make sense because some of it was just word of knowledge, right? But then some of it's prophecy. So you'll get the word of knowledge first, Right? so that they'll pay attention. Well, that's right. And then you start prophesying, well, if that was right, that had to come from God, so then the rest must be right. And it builds faith. Does that make sense? So the part that doesn't, didn't make much sense, you just write it down or get the recording or whatever. Don't worry about it. Just put it on the shelves. That's not my business when or how. That's God's business. And just relax about that. Okay? You two guys right here. And what's your name? Oma. Oma. Kim and Alma. Okay. So, um, okay. I see a lot of scars, a lot of battles, a lot of heartache, a lot of tough stuff. Um, but I see amazing wisdom. I see amazing, um, you know, there may have been times when you, you wanted to quit, uh, but you always came around and you didn't quit. And you had reasons to, family reasons, you had business reasons, you had people from the out, all kinds of reasons. The wisdom that is in you is so vital for the, what's coming for the next generations under you, for what's going to happen here, what's going to happen in the earth, that I see people knocking on your door who are saying, the Lord said you would understand and you'll have the word of the Lord for them. But it won't just be a word. You'll draw them into your house, sit them down, give them a meal, give them a hug, sit on the couch, and you'll just love on them, and then you give them the word. Because that's the wisdom they'll need right then. And, yeah, you just, yeah. I'll just, I'll just bless you because you didn't let the scars, you didn't let the events make your life. Right? You didn't live in the event. A lot of people live in the event the rest of their life. You didn't do that. You had plenty of events for that to happen. But you didn't do that. And God loves that about you guys. So I just bless you and bless that wisdom in you. Amen. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay. All right. Good.
All right. So, yeah, this is, this, is what, this is the fun part of the prophetic, right? So, okay, here's what I want you to do. You, right, and you. I want you to just, I'm, we're just going to do a little experiment here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to ask God, what do you want to say to the other one? What, is, you wanna, what does God want to say to her? What, is God, what do you want? Say to her, okay? Just, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Okay, just close your eyes. It may be a picture, it may be a word, maybe a sentence, okay? Ten seconds. God, what do you want to say to her? Okay, good. What'd you get? Say it, uh, say it out loud. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. She goes, that is my out loud. Okay. Keep seeing a white lily, and that you are the white lily. Awesome. And that, and that's that's how he sees you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you in any way? Do you know what, what, how, how important a white lily is? Yeah, the purity of what do, what do we do on Resurrection Day? It's all about white lilies. Okay, there's something about the resurrection life, and today is very important for you. Okay, what did you get? Yeah, I just kept on seeing. I mean, the cross and the cross, like. Burying it, burying it all, in a sense, unto, unto life. Mm -hmm. So those things that, I don't know, that those things that you're still dealing with, that you're like, am I, have I really had victory over it? It's like, that's been buried. Is that awesome? That makes sense to you? Oh, yeah. Spectacular. Okay. Thank you. We talked about that two hours ago, that they were going to do it. No, no, I didn't. No. I just, the reason I picked them out was I felt they were the ones, but anybody can do that. Ten seconds, and they got two words that were important, emotionally important, if you were watching their faces. This is how easy it is. It's that easy. Just, just begin to do it. And be, do it in your home. Do it in your, your, uh, your families. Do it in, in your job. Do it here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just do it. What if you make a mistake? Can I help you with that? You will. All right, God's bigger than all that. All right, so um, let's eat, man. Wow, you enjoy that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I want you to do, just in your seats, I would love for you, uh, Bill, to just pray a blessing. Yes, yes. On this family yes. of families, mm -hmm. and we're thinking now Myanmar also. We're thinking Kirkland. We're thinking El Paso, Juarez, yes. Mm -hmm. Turin, Italy. We're thinking Kansas City, the inner city there. We're thinking all of our family all over the place. And that God's going to be adding to our family. So we want to, we want to, there's many times when God blessed somebody. They weren't there geographically, but they got the same blessing. Absolutely. And so I feel like yeah. Bill is carrying a deposit from that prophetic movement that we want to absorb because we want to be a people that are under prophetic revelation, the voice of God, so we can do apostolic mobilization and bring the presence of Jesus wherever we go. So would you just stand and hold hands, and I'm going to ask Bill to just yeah. pray a blessing on us. And Megs, why don't you come up with Bill? Because this blessing is on everyone, men, women, and yes, children. yes. Men, women, and children. So, 
Are you ready to be blessed? Now, when you, re by the way, when the prophetic starts moving in the room, if you are sensitive, you understand that you can absorb Absolutely. that anointing in your spirit right now, that it's not just for select people, it's for you. That's important to remember. Okay. Yeah. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, by the authority of the throne of heaven, as a son of God, and as an equipper, Lord, I bless the Rock Tribe, family of families, globally, and especially in this house right now. Yep. We release the blessing of Abraham upon them. Yes. We release the blessing of the fivefold equippers upon them. Mm -hmm. We release the blessing of the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God and their purpose and their callings upon them. And we release the power of signs and wonders so they can fully preach the gospel. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, waking every day saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? That's what I want to do. Lord, I also ask you to bless the specific families that are represented here. Yep. Bless their families, mm -hmm. bless their income, bless the yep. wombs, Lord. Bless the wombs of the wives. Mm -hmm. Bless, bless the, the homes, the houses, the yep. businesses, the incomes. Yep. Bless, Lord, according to your word, because you said Jesus redeemed us from the curse to give us the blessing of Abraham. To bless us, and you said he would, you would multiply him exceedingly. You would cause him to be exceedingly fruitful, and that is in every area of life. So we call for the manifestation of the blessing of Abraham upon the rock tribe, upon all the families and all the family of families globally, upon all the leadership for the wisdom and understanding. Father, upon governments to give them open doors upon uh, Christians and denominations and organizations to come alongside and to partner with them. We call, in, call this movement to be established, Lord, in the earth. This is the time. This is the time. Today is that day. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, as yes. you have promised to do, in every place, mm -hmm. every home, mm -hmm. every building, mm -hmm. every business mm -hmm. represented by your people yes. in this group of your church, your family. God, pour out your Spirit in a greater way than we had ever imagined, Lord, that you mm -hmm. would glorify your name. Yes. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go and to visit each place that is already established and those that will be established. Yes. Lord, you know the beginning from the end. We thank you, Father, for sending out your angels and the Spirit of God to go before these people, your children, to establish your kingdom where you want it, in the way you want it, through whom you want it. Mm -hmm. Lord, we cry out, glorify yourself yes. through us, God. Yes. Glorify your great name upon the earth, yes. Lord. Let your kingdom come yes. and your will be done in Wyoming and all the regions beyond where you are planting the Rock Tribe is this part of your body. Thank you so much that you love us enough yes. to use us in this great way yes. to partner with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. And thank you for the, the privilege of being here this morning with you guys. Thank you. Thank you, William.